On Friday, something really remarkable happened. An entire bank collapsed. The nation's 16th largest bank collapsed within hours, leaving customers in limbo and forcing federal regulators to swoop in. It's called Silicon Valley Bank, and it is one of the tech industry's largest lenders, also lends to individuals across the country. It is now under control of the federal government. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank is the second largest bank failure in U.S. history. Thousands of people were affected. Billions of dollars are at stake. One tech executive called this an extinction-level event for startups. And it seemingly happened overnight. The speed with which um, the psychological aspects of this crisis have emerged is, is maybe the most shocking part of the whole thing. You can read about bank runs in textbooks and you can watch It's a Wonderful Life and see how that, that unfolds. But I've never covered and, and seen, and many of the experts have never seen, the speed with which this happened. Jeff Stein is a White House economics reporter for The Post, and he's been getting an inside look into the federal government's response to this massive financial failure. Saturday morning, I woke up to a call from a source who said something that I was so explosive I couldn't believe it was true, which was that he had heard that the federal um, authorities on this were preparing a plan to dramatically expand the insurance, effectively, of the depositors into this bank. This was a really shocking move. As of Friday morning, Janet Yellen was in front of the House Ways and Means Committee. This barely came up Friday morning. And less than two days later, the federal government announced one of the most dramatic interventions in financial markets in U.S. history. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Monday, March 13th. Today, we're talking with Jeff about the stunning collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, including what the federal government is doing about it. Jeff explains the Biden administration's plan to help the bank's customers and why these moves could cause an uproar. Jeff, tell me about this bank. It's called Silicon Valley Bank. Did it cater mostly to the tech industry? Who had money in it? Silicon Valley Bank was one of the most important institutions financially for uh, the tech startup scene for Silicon Valley, for venture capitalists out West. And they had really gone all in on a strategy of catering to firms that may have been speculative or VCs that may not have had assurances that the businesses that they were working with would prove a long-term, stable, durable investment. Silicon Valley Bank is really not one of the traditional Wall Street banks, what are called the GSIBs, the globally systemic, systemically important banks, um, the Wall Street banks that you tra- traditionally think of as the most important in the U.S. economy, Morgan Stanley and J.P. Morgan. But it was still quite important to this ecosystem, and that's part of the reason why people thought its collapse could spark a broader panic. So what led up to this moment? Were, were there decisions made by people at Silicon Valley Bank that led to this crisis? This is one of the questions that I think we're going to have to spend weeks and probably months assessing. Some of the financial experts I've spoken to point out that even though Silicon Valley Bank had a customer base that was kind of volatile, the Silicon Valley Bank's executives had mostly put their money into treasuries, which are largely regarded as safe assets. And so even some people on the left are saying, you know, this bank, we might not like their politics, we might not like the fact that they're so tied up in the tech scene, but their financial decisions were not that crazy. Um, Other people have said, 
they should have seen this coming. The Federal Reserve has been very publicly and very clearly moving to hike interest rates to cool inflation. And when you raise interest rates, what happens effectively is that the price of previously issued bonds collapses. Jeff, can you just sort of walk me through this, what happened with Silicon Valley Bank and specifically the role that treasury bonds played? Like, what is a treasury bond? So the government, to raise money to pay for the federal government, Treasury has auctions. And the way it works is basically they issue an IOU in exchange for cash. And those IOUs are known as Treasury bonds. And you can date them at different durations, 10-year, 2-year, 20-year. These assets are generally regarded as super safe because when the the federal government issues bonds, it's essentially saying, we will pay you back, and there's no better lender um, than the federal government. The problem that we ran into here is that because interest rates went up, the new treasury bonds being issued by by the Treasury Department had much higher yields, which meant that investors would recoup a higher um, return on their investment when the IOU came due for the same amount of cash. And because they were doing that, the value of the existing bonds, the value of those collapsed, because who's going to want to buy a treasury bond that's paying a 1% or 2% interest rate when the federal government is now issuing new treasury bonds that are paying 4 5 6% potentially? The Silicon Valley Bank, they were receiving deposits, right, from their customers, rich people and businesses. And then there's the question, right, of, of how do they make sure that that money is well invested, that when people say, hey, Silicon Valley Bank, here's this deposit. I'm giving you my money. Hold on to it. What does Silicon Valley Bank do with it? It turns out that they were probably too much turning around and buying these treasury bonds, which they'd been buying when whites were low. And then when Silicon Valley Bank saw their customers really struggling because these are sort of speculative tech investments, the, depos- the depositors, these these businesses and others, went back to the bank and said, hey, I need my money right now. And then they said, uh, actually, <laughs> your money has now been put in treasury bonds, the value of which is collapsing. So they were hit really hard on two ends, right? Because the tech is going through a crisis. They're seeing the, the need to pull out their money. And then Silicon Valley Bank is saying, oh, we've actually invested your money in this uh, thing that's actually completely losing its value. So with what happened on Friday, who was mostly impacted by by this bank run? When President Biden came out today and discussed these actions, he really emphasized that it, it was not the traditional bank bailout that we normally think of where the executives and the shareholders are protected and the bank is made whole. No losses, will, and I'm, this is an important point, no losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. What Biden was emphasizing was that workers and companies were at risk of failing simply because they put their money in a credible, accredited bank that seemed like it should be relatively safe. This is going to be a huge part of the debate over this action. But I think the administration's point here is that this is not what happened with AIG or what happened with you know, the Bear Stearns-Lehman crises. This is... In 2008. Yeah, this is about protecting depositors. And the rebuttal to that is, 
yeah, but we were already protecting everyone up to $250,000. If you have more than that in a bank, you're doing pretty well. Um, likely, in fact, uh, so well that you're probably, you know, you might even be a business. And that's where I think the Biden administration would say, just because a business had more than $250,000 in a bank does not mean that it is a sort of rapacious firm that doesn't deserve help. Can you actually walk me through what the government has done and is proposing to do with Silicon Valley Bank? Yes. So last night, Treasury and the FDIC and the Federal Reserve announced a few key measures. The first one was that they would be insuring all deposits made at the bank, not just the ones that are below the $250,000 limit. And that's a big step because it says, hey, if you're concerned about the value of your deposit going down, if your bank collapses, don't be. We we have you guys. Like That will be protected, so there's no need for you if you're a customer at a similarly situated bank to pull your money out, out right now. The other two steps, um, one was to make the same move, actually, for Signature Bank, which regulators also announced Sunday night had been closed by the federal government's actions. And then the third measure was to start a new lending facility out of the Federal Reserve that essentially is is intended as a backstop to make sure if any other banks face distress, they can go to the Federal Reserve and get a very favorable loan to stave off the contagion we're now seeing in other banks and other sectors of the financial market. I think there will be lots of questions about the chief executive officer of Silicon Valley Bank, who in 2018 pushed for deregulation and less federal oversight of precisely the kind of banks that he uh, was the head of. Had there been more federal oversight, I don't know if it would have made a difference, but it's certainly a fair question. Also, there were um, payouts to executives of the bank the week before this all this huge collapse happened that may be coincidental. I'm sure that's what the executives will say, but there will be questions from Congress and hearings. Um, I'm sure that they will be eager to try to move past that, but but many people are not going to let them. I keep hearing that this is not a taxpayer-funded bailout. Is that true? Where is this money exactly coming from? And who is going to be protected by it? Does that include the bankers as well? The great debate over the B word has begun, and I think it'll be with us for a very long time. I think it's really important to understand the mechanics of what's happening here. The Treasury Department announced that the FDIC uninsured deposits, right, the the money that that was not previously insured, but that will now be being backstopped by, by the federal government, will be made whole out of a fund known as the DIF. And the DIF, the Deposit Insurance Fund, is... Love a new acronym. <laughs> love it. You'll wow all your friends with this and other tips. Um, the DIF is funded by a fee on banks, not taxpayer money. That's what the administration is maintaining. And they are correct in that narrow sense that this is not coming from general revenue from taxes. That That is true. However, the DIF is ultimately backstopped by the Treasury Department and therefore taxpayers. And so there's an implicit federal guarantee of this fund and therefore of the uninsured deposits and therefore of these Silicon Valley firms and VC firms, et cetera. And the fact that the government has taken this step to make sure that the diff also covers these guys is many people would say, you know, Janet Yellen, please don't call me and yell at me about this, but many people would say is a bailout because it is still the implicit backstopping of of the taxpayers that maintains this fund. The semantic 
jujitsu that the administration is going for here. I don't know if it's going to prove persuasive with voters, but they are correct that this is not taxpayer money in a traditional sense. I'll also just note that the Federal Reserve new lending facility is backed as well by um, taxpayer money directly, uh, $25 um, billion, I believe it is, from a treasury fund. So even if you say that the um, the DIF backing the uninsured deposits is not uh, uh, taxpayer money, the other lending facility announced by treasury seems pretty clearly to be. That's one big question I have. Like, what happens if this money, this fund runs out? Because we're talking about one bank, right? What happens if we find ourselves in a similar situation in a week or two? Um, What's going to happen then? You've got such a good question because this is at the core of what I'm asking people right now, which is, did Yellen and uh, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell overnight basically double the amount of deposits nationally that the federal government is responsible for insuring? Because if we're saying that the depositors of this bank should be protected because of the risk of contagion. What's to stop the federal government from needing to do that if three or four other banks also look like they're going to be at risk um, and and uh, spread harm to the other parts of the financial system? And so it makes a lot of sense that the federal government was seeing a panic in financial markets and decided, hey, we really got to intervene and head this off and nip it in the bud. But it's now incumbent on us, I think, to start looking at what does that mean more broadly? What does that mean for for the entire financial system and whether the federal government has now just said any any company that has a certain amount of money in the bank is protected by the federal government. After the break, we get into what the failure of Silicon Valley Bank could mean for the entire economy and the way banks are regulated in the future. We'll be right back. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty, host of On Point. Our big number is one. One episode per day, one story per episode, one really deep dive. At a time when the world is more complex than ever, On Point's daily dedicated conversation takes the time to make the world more intelligible. From the state of democracy to AI to the wonders of the natural world. That's On Point from WBUR, one podcast we think you should subscribe to. Can you situate what happened with SVB to begin with within the broader economy? Like, what happened with this bank? Is this an isolated incident? You know, it's funny. Some of the um, people in the administration I was talking to, like, Friday morning, <laughs> uh, which is not that long ago, were like, you know— <laughs> It feels a long ago, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it really does. They were like, you know, this is a pretty niche bank. It's confined to the tech sector. We don't have a ton of reason to think that this will spill over. And, and I think to give that perspective some some real credit, we've seen a lot of layoffs in the tech sector that have not appeared to trigger any sort of wider financial issues or economic issues. We've seen the unemployment rate continue to stay extremely low, hundreds of thousands of jobs be produced monthly despite layoffs at you know Google and Amazon and other major tech firms. And so I think that was a rational response to the crisis. But I think the broader context that's worth keeping in mind here is that in a response to inflation, the Federal Reserve, as I mentioned, is dramatically increasing interest rates. And what that's doing is exposing 
the um, gaps in the economy because when interest rates are low, firms can just borrow cheaply, and that can allow them to sort of cover up and paper over the flaws and the um, inadequacies in their current business model. But when those rates go up, it becomes very expensive and very um, difficult to borrow cheaply. And, you know, I was talking to a colleague, uh, David Lynch, who had a great metaphor for this. It was like, imagine there's like a ton of people on a beach and they're they're completely submerged underwater. This is a bit of an awkward metaphor. I, I'm, but, I'm here for it. I wish I was <laughs> on a beach right now, so continue. But imagine like all of a sudden the tide rushes in and you're left looking around at the other people on the beach and which of them actually don't have bathing suits on. And what we're seeing now is a lot of people are actually going stark nude to the beach. I'm also remembering the idea of banks being too big to fail. And it sounds like these banks, they weren't too big to fail, but they failed. And yet we're having the this intervention and the need to do something about it. Am I thinking about that right? Yeah, I think that's the perfect question. I mean, when you look at um, this 2018 bill I keep referencing that deregulated banks of this size, these mid-sized banks from 50 to $250 billion in assets. The argument they made at the time was, look, we don't need all of the supervision that Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs and, and those guys require. We are not a systemic risk to the entire economy. You don't need to be sticking the federal flashlight into every corner of our office However, this <laughs> crisis sure makes it seem like, and the fact that they are being backed up by the federal government sure makes it seem like they actually are systemically important and maybe even too big to fail. I think the fact that SVB and Signature Bank are failing means that at least, you know, they, they are not going to be rescued themselves. But if another few banks go down who are in this size, maybe they were also too big to fail. And then maybe that means that they should also be subject to the same oversight that the too big to fail mega banks are. Do you think that there's going to be a push for more, more regulations and more monitoring of banks of this size now that this has happened? For sure. The Biden administration has already been very clear that they're going to make a huge new push to try to get that done might be a little late. <laughs> and I, I think I should stress here that while Trump signed that bill, 16 Senate Democrats voted for it. And so it had large amounts of bipartisan support. And while the regional banks were spending a lot of money in, in political donations to members of Congress, um, the federal regulators reacted to that bill by um, pulling back their oversight of of these kinds of banks. And so, so yes, at least nominally, the Biden administration will try to fix that the House is controlled by Republicans. It's hard to see them going along with any of it. Jeff, I keep thinking about the 2008 financial crisis, and in particular how much anger people still feel, some people still feel, about that government intervention, the idea that these massive financial institutions who sort of contributed and created a crisis were bailed out. And, you know, as we're talking, this sounds very different than that. But I imagine there is also still a lot of criticism about the Biden administration's approach to this crisis, that the government would get involved in this way and help out this bank, and maybe not this bank, but the people who had the money in the bank. How do you expect the political debate around this to play out? Yeah, the, the Biden administration, Biden himself today said, you know, look, we're doing nothing to help the executives, the shareholders. They'll take a complete loss, and the bank will die. And that's all true. But 
as we look at the potential for poverty to spike around this country right now with the expiration of COVID aid, I think it's really um, understandable that people are feeling frustrated that that the government is protecting these companies. They felt that a lot of these companies and similar companies were protected during COVID. And the difficulty here, I think, is that a lot of people feel that we live in a country where there really aren't protections for your health care and your housing and your ability to have basic groceries and the necessities of life. And in that context, for the government to ride in and protect these companies, I think is really grating for people. Even if I think it's also reasonable to say that you can both believe that the government needs to do more to protect working class and, and poor people in this country and still believe that we shouldn't be blasé about the potential widespread repercussions of a bank run that's not interceded by federal authorities. Jeff, thanks so much for your time. Pleasure being on. Thank you, guys. Jeff Stein is the White House economics reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Arjun Singh with help from Jordan Marie Smith. It was edited by Rena Flores and mixed by Sean Carter. If you're listening to us in Apple Podcasts and you haven't already, please leave us a review. We really want to know what you think. And these reviews also help other people find our show. So take a moment now to do it if you can. We'll be reading. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.